Hey, this is Of Earth, a culinary plant medicine podcast, and I'm your host, Chris Sage from The Herbal Chef. I mean, I almost eat a, a part of a cookie almost every day or a part of something, and I sleep so good, and when I wake up, I'm so much more energetic. I'm so much more, there's much more clarity, and of course, it's helped through a spiritual journey, and it's just, I feel so much healthier. Like, it's, just, it's, it's pretty insane what your body will do to you and your brain if you really don't have a good night's sleep. I'm honored to have on Jason Licker to the podcast today. Jason is a James Beard nominated pastry chef. I wanted to share with you guys what conversations are like between chefs who really love their craft and who love to travel and who love to experience culture and then apply that to their own life and their own work. Well, well, well. Well, well, well. Look what the cat dragged in. Reservation for two, please. Calm down, guys. Jesus. That applause is, I'm gracious for that applause. And thank you, Chris, for having me on. And I can say that perhaps I'm a caterpillar. And the more you get to know me, I become a butterfly. Wow. How beautiful is that? Um, What do I do? I make cakes. I make people laugh. And uh, now I'm an author as well. So, uh, I think I started out just like anybody else, having zero clue what the hell you're doing. And I slid into my niche, which is happens to be Asian ingredients. I worked in Manhattan, Miami, then made the jump, and I ended up working in Shanghai. Anyhow. Um, <laughs> and what I found most through my adventures is why I like Asian ingredients is because it can really balance your palate. And as I found, I lived in Asia for about 15 years. I found the more I lived in Asia, the crazier things were happening. The crazier um, things started happening. Yeah, you know, like um, I was traveling in China for six months after my first. I, I did a two-year contract, and then I took six months off to travel around China. And obviously, my Mandarin is not so good. So there were times where I was sleeping in parks, and like people poking me at six a.m. before they do Tai Chi, like, "Hey, wake up!" I'm like, "I don't know what you're saying," <laughs> you know. So um, I often wow. like to take the road less traveled and to experience. It's not just about like cooking and. It's more about like life experience and embracing and like putting yourself in a culture to really, really understand where the food comes from. Absolutely. I'm a big believer in that as well. So what inspired you out of all things, Thailand, China? Um, I think it's just Asia overall. Mm. And it's like once, you know, you travel anywhere in the U.S., you're in a different state. But when you travel two hours outside of Hong Kong or Bangkok, you're in an array of countries. And each country has its own culture and all iconic food staples. And, and I was finding ingredients that locals love that I could take and make it my own, put a little liquor twist on it of course, and make it something new. Right. So I like how you balance your palate, especially in Thai cuisine. Actually, I think Thai cuisine and Mexican cuisine is pretty similar. You use a lot of acids and a lot of heat. Yeah. So I love that. And then I was like, wow, these guys, especially in Thailand, they love sugar. Like when you have a, a Thai iced tea, it's like, you know, you might as well just, eat a pound of sugar. Right. 15 much, grams all, of sugar per ounce. Yeah. It's all that condensed milk. You want to pour it over your head or pour it in uh. the tea. So I like to take those ingredients and then try to balance it out and more textures, flavors, a little adventure, a little adventure in your mouth. One could say <laughs> the best type of adventure I would say. So that's hard to swallow. Um, <laughs> it is indeed. 
Um, well, I mean, that's incredible. So what, like what led you, tell me about the point that you got to where you were sleeping on that park bench and somebody's pushing you to wake up. Like what, what led you to sort of that moment? Um, well, I'll tell you how I wound up in Asia. It's, it's a funny story. I went to see my accountant to file my taxes in 2005 and my accountant was like, (laughs) you are worthless. I'm like, okay. Way to kick off a great pep talk, guys. And uh, he's like, look, Jason, he's like, I was making around like, I think 75K. This was in 2005, and I thought I was on top of the world. So I'm like, yeah, this right. is great. I'm the exact pastry chef of the Peninsula in New York, five star, five diamond. And he's like, pretty much like, you have no idea what you're doing with your life. And I'm like, okay, so give me a suggestion. So he's like, look, either change your job, which wasn't going to happen, right. either move out of New York or leave the country. And that's the first time I was like, mm, let me send some some resumes all over on the interwebs right so um i heard from a place in san diego which i'm like no way and then a place in santiago chile and a place in cabo san lucas and then carl heinz ritter called from shanghai yes carl heinz wow. now carl heinz is in chinese Chris. right okay. for, for those of us that, that for those of the viewers that may not know why don't you explain that really briefly so Back back then, when we actually remember, we used to go to restaurants and hotels. Oh, in the yeah. w- in the before times. Yeah. Yeah. Um, before COVID. In the way, in the so way these back. These big hotels, these big hotels in Asia. What people need to understand is that there's only a handful of hotels in all of America that could compare to the hospitality of Asia. Right. For example, what I'm saying is these hotels that are like a thousand rooms with eight restaurants and like thirty pastry cooks. Right. So they would actually fly. They flew me to China to do a tasting. Oh, man. And between getting hammered, jet lagged, and almost blowing the tasting, I was like, I'm going to mess this up. But I nailed it. And I moved two weeks later. So it was pretty much, I was like, you know what? Let me try something new and exciting and live a life experience. So I packed up my stuff and moved to Shanghai. Wow. Pretty crazy. So no ties, no real, nothing in New York holding you. No kids, no wife, no... Uh, Not that I know of. Mister, no. Nah, don't swing that way. Right. No. Uh, so you basically Sorry were just like. You. <laughs> All right. So, noted. Uh, so basically you're just, you you just up and left New York. You you said bye to the peninsula and. Yeah, actually, I, I actually way. emailed my resignation from Shanghai before I got on the plane. Wow. Pretty classy. Wow. Wow. So, um, and everything was lining up. Like I got, I was, I was you know, I was at, got out of a relationship. My accountant told me I'm broke and I might as well like work on the corner for money. Right. And, and I went there and I was so overwhelmed by when you fly into Shanghai and Pudong airport. Yes. The airport's called Pudong. And, yes. um, <laughs> you drive into the city. You're like, what is this place? It's like super blade runner for real. Twilight Zone city. Yeah, and um, this is the first place that like there's like 30 pastry cooks, and none of them speak English. I'm like, perfect. And are these un- people under you, or are they their own pastry chefs that are doing their own thing, or are these the people that you're going to have to manage? These are the people I'm going to manage. Oh, lovely. And I'd say like three or four of them spoke had a, spoke good English. Okay. And the pr- the problem was that like when you go to do these tastings in in a, in a foreign city. The GM's like, I'll take you out one night. Then the chef's like, I'll take you out one night. We'll have dinner. We'll have some drinks. But like, we, it's like, it was extended to like, oh, look, it's four in the morning. What time do you have to be in the kitchen? And I'm like, <laughs> where are we? 
Right. So it was pretty challenging, but um, it was an amazing experience. And you, then I was like engulfed in Chinese culture and learned so much. And then I did know some crazy things like, um, like I, I didn't even know half the staffs of like real names. So I had to name them myself. Oh my <laughs> God. That is yeah. begging for lawsuits. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> you know, this is back, this is, you know, it's back then where like, I'm like, how can I, I can't even pronounce your name? You're going to be Bill. <laughs> and you know, <laughs> so I, had a, I, named amazing. The, I named all the, I named all the cooks. And it was funny. And I mean, there's some moments, lost in translation moments, where like we're doing an event for Kylie Minogue for H&M, and they want all turquoise and gold pastries. Right. I'm like, fine, I'll poison you, no problem. Right, right, right. So I'm like, <laughs> okay, guys. Color number five? Make, yeah. Yeah, we're going to make blueberry gelée and turquoise panna cotta. Of course, I come in the next day and it's raspberry. Of course. <laughs> I'm like, oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, so I'm like, empty the glasses. We're just going to add even more food color. Like this has to get done before the chef sees it because he's going to kill us. Right. Jeez. Um, then after that, I actually, I came back to the States. I helped open Nobu San Diego for a few months. Right. Naturally. And then Carl Heinz called again. <laughs> I can't even make this up. And Carl is like, hey, why don't you move to Macau with me? I'm like, I'm not going to Macau. He's like, okay, um, it's, you know, the hotel's big. Just come and you've never done this before. I'm like, well, how big is it? It's like 3,000 rooms. I'm like, sure, I'll come. So that's how I wound up in the Venetian in Macau. <laughs> wow. And so this guy basically brought you around after your initial move to Shanghai. Actually, let me tell you, this guy, he was in, he was in the West in Shanghai for, before me, obviously, and hired me. And then when he got the job in the Venetian, he comes over to me. He's like, look, uh, I'm, I'm resigning and I can't hire you. I'm like, he's like, they already hired a pastry chef. I'm like, okay. He's like, but I want to warn you that I'm taking every single manager <laughs> management position from this hotel. I'm like, what? So like the sous chef, the chef de cuisine, the dim sum chef, everybody. Whoa. It was like 15 managers resigned on one day and the owner came to me. He's like, please don't leave. <laughs> like, oh I'm like, I'm not God. leaving. I'm like, I have six more months of my contract and I'll help you build up the team. It was, it was nuts. Wow. It was a classic power move. Oh yeah, totally. Oh, hi. I, I'm guessing they weren't getting along at that time. No, it was fine. But like, this is back then when in Macau, there was nothing. There's two parts of Macau, actually Macau that's connected to China. And then the other side is called Taipa. And back then there was like only a Western, which was tiny. And right. the Venetian was the first big mega, mega casino there. Right. And there was the Grand Lisboa old school. And then, then they all came up and now it's insane. Now you have the win right. and the M. It's, it's, it's just nuts. So being a Westerner, Going over there, what's like? What are some of the cultural shock factors? What are some of the cultural differences that you're seeing in <laughs> the uh, Western hospitality versus Eastern? And how are you seeing, you know, generally food differentiate itself? Um, you already talked a little bit about the flavors, but is there anything else that really, you know, just hits you over the head in terms of differences? There's one thing I saw that like blew my mind the first day is like you know. Um, of course, every culture has different habits. Right. So um, let's say that I wasn't prepared exactly for how Chinese culture was and their habits. So, like, I saw a guy, like, sit in the lobby on the floor. This doesn't really happen anymore. Whoa. This is 2005. And a little kid that worked in the hotel ran over and just mopped it up. And I was like, whoa, okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm, in, I'm in a different place. 
or just like the um, when people would always come into the elevator first. Oh yeah, like yeah, yeah. You go out. Right. So Crazy. of course I'm I'm from New York. I'm from Long Island. I'm like I'm gonna steam. I'm gonna steamroll you. Right. <laughs> like Grant, like like Granny, get out of my way. I'll run you over. Do you not know how this works? <laughs> Let's clothesline you. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So that, you know, like also people are very like there's just different like health habits. So it's amazing to and what, what another um interesting thing is a lot of people down the in the West are like wow like. Chinese language is so cold, but when you start to learn a little bit and understand how it is in the, in the actual culture, then you realize how tight-knit the actually family structure is. So it, right. there's a lot of things you learn, and it's like a crash course, and then you go from culture to culture, then you go to, like, Thailand, where the, there's a, quite a lot of differences. And, you know, people overall are more quiet and more timid, but are, like, super passionate and family-oriented. It, it's, it's incredible. So I've been, like, fortunate to have some crazy experiences where... I think you just need, like, I, I live kamikaze style. Like, I just go. Full full frontal. Full frontal, release the beast. Yes. So what is like, tell me what that's, what it's like being the full frontal guy in these countries where it seems a bit more conservative and, re- and reserved. Um. Now, remember back in 2005, it's, most of this happened earlier because back in 2005 in China, this was before the Olympics and before the World's Fair, before right. China was a superpower. So um, I often, like when I went out to like, to go to areas, I would get my picture taken. People are like, hey, can I, can I take a photo with you? I'm like, Because they've sure. never seen a bald guy before. Well, I, I ha- well, actually, <laughs> I had some hair back then. And I was actually called Tom Cruise once. Thanks. Wow. That's um, nice. Yeah. So you, it's, it's weird. Like I went to this, this uh, place called Suzhou, which is the smallest city that's beautiful. And I went with my friend who was six foot one. She's from Belgium. I'm like, I told her, I'm like, Caroline, you, you can't stop and take a picture with every person that comes near you. Like we need to see this stuff. Because every person, they've never seen a blonde hair, blue eyed giant woman. So I'm like, okay, this is, just keep on walking and just smile and just, just shake your head. So they're, they're, it was great because there's some advantages because, you know, obviously you're going to be in a favorable position. But then what people don't understand is there's a lot of disadvantages and there's a lot of, you know, people, some people don't want you there, which I mean, is untrue about me. Everybody wants me there. Right. But, of course, you know, they see it. it you could even it, what's crazy is it's more even relevant these times now that all the borders are closed. Like when because you say people don't a, want you there, what what's like a telltale sign? Well, when like a lot of taxi drivers would like pull up to me, see me and then drive off. Now that could be for two reasons. Cause either one, they just don't want to deal with a foreigner. Right. Or two, because they just don't like me. So I'm like, either way, I'm like, whatever, I'll just get another taxi or I'll get another beer. Right. Just pretend I'm like in a taxi. <laughs> right. Of so course. there were some, and also, of course, also during your job, you're expected to be there 24 seven to accommodate any need of your employer. So in Shanghai, since I was the only American in the hotel, it seemed like any time there was any American, the general manager would call me. They're like, hey, Jason, there's some guys here from uh, California. Go talk to them. I'm like, you know, I'm working. <laughs> but that, that was pretty common. Interesting. So just kind of like been, the, a familiarity factor. Well, he's like, you're an ambassador of the hotel. I'm like, I sure am. <laughs> So it was interesting. So there's a few times where they'd be like, okay, look, these guys are working for Citibank. They're going to close a big hotel deal. Can you take them out and show them a good time? Just bring back the receipts. 
And like back then, if you spent like five hundred dollars in a night, I thought it was like five thousand. And uh, the general manager's like, "Look, they loved you. You want to go out again? Now show them a really good time." I'm like, mm-hmm. "Okay." What what budgets are we talking here? Well, this is in two thousand five when I thought five hundred dollars was a lot, right? USD, right, right. You know, so, so yeah, but you have to remember, like I came from New York, where if you bought a bottle, let's say in Tao, that was like three fifty USD, right? In two thousand five in Shanghai, a bottle of anything, and it was real, was seventy five USD. Ooh, <laughs> that was rough. Yeah. That's good stuff though. I mean, that's that's oh. pretty amazing though to see, you know, to go over there without any real prior knowledge, any real prior like connection to the culture and just say, you know what, fuck it. I'm just gonna go do it and see what well, see what happens. Well, it was at a time where pastry was in a good place in, in the States and I saw people coming up and I was like, you know what, I, I just don't want to go that road. Like I want to, I want to get out of here and experience something completely new and just get lost somewhere. And I, I did, I certainly got lost for sure. Especially like when you get into a taxi and you can't speak Mandarin and there's no iPhones oh, and you God. save the street names and then you wind up at the airport. That's great. Oh God. Yeah. I could imagine that <laughs> over and over. Oh just yeah. Just like he, he clearly until, needs but, to get out of here. He clearly needs to leave. Well, until you learn a little bit of Mandarin, and then when you talk to the taxi driver, he's like, "Oh, damn! This this guy knows. He knows what's up." <laughs> I'm like, "I'm like, bro, don't be driving me around in circles." Right. So, what's the um, what's like? You know, it, in my mind, a lot of people are losing connection with their food, and I think, or I should say, a lot of people have lost connection with their food, and I think that over the past few years with the rise of like the sustainability talk and, and real agriculture and why it's important. I think people have started to really come back to their roots, come back to, um, you know, their, uh, plant medicine, come back to, you know, just culture in general and where things are actually coming from and why they're coming from. So what you did is really powerful in, in so many different levels on so many different dimensions. You've, been able to create something really authentic and, uh, and do something that, you know, challenged you in so many different ways that led you to being, you know, uh, on the forefront of something, which is why Liquorland, which is why you as a brand have, have been able to pop in so many people's eyes is because you're bringing something that truly is authentic to, um, to you, not necessarily authentic to Asian culture, fully, not necessarily authentic to American culture fully, but to you as Jason Licker, what the, the experiences, the world that you've created for yourself. And that is really unique. It's really beautiful uh, to see that come together in, in how it has in edible form, which is my favorite form of anything. Well, I think the best part of growing as a human is not knowing what you're doing. And then you realize in the middle of it, you're like, wow, like, I'm in the middle of China learning about like 15 different soy sauces when I thought that was one. <laughs> and that really, you know, <laughs> I thought it was just Kikoman. Wait, that's not, and, yeah, I was going to say there's not Tamari and Kikoman. <laughs> yeah. So I think it really, I mean, I, I don't know how to really cook savory food, but I love eating food. And I think I know food very, very well. Uh, but I like when you start learning and seeing where it comes from, it makes such a huge impact on you that it molds the, your cooking philosophy. And especially as you know, when you start traveling, it's sort of like a drug. Oh yeah. And it's, it's such an addiction. So 
So every time I would even go on vacation, I'd ask the hotel or I'd go online. I'd be like, okay, where's the local fish market? Where's the fruit market or flower yeah. market? I want to see where the, where the locals get their food. I want to see how they eat and I want to eat like a local. Yep. And I think it's very important. It's crucial. That, um, it's cru- and then that helped me develop my cooking. And it sort of took in a, a path of its own of east meets west and just make it more approachable. And I'm really pushing people to, to look outside the box or get stuck in one. <laughs> so, I mean, depending like on what I decided, medicine you take. Well, of course, I medicate always. Of course. Um, like when I wrote Liquorland, I got denied by 50 publishers. Wow. <laughs> That's why I self-published. Yeah. And it, and we really, really. Publishing like, is I, such like, a I bitch. Just, dude, it's, it's insane. And how I like invested in myself leaving the country to go to China and experience life experience. I invested in myself in my own cookbook. And I think whenever you really put your heart and soul into something, it'll pay off. Absolutely. It's, uh, it's the timeless tale. It's what everybody has said since the beginning of time. You, you have to take the leap. And that leap for people is very difficult in so many different aspects because it's, that's just what it is. It's blind faith in yourself. And you're putting so many eggs in your own mental basket to be able to deal with anything that comes your way. That it's scary. I mean, it's the same leap that I took when I realized that my path was not to go be a doctor. It was to cook food and, and to heal people through food. And it took on a, you know, I had no idea what the next six months were going to look like, three months even. And uh, trying to plan it out, I couldn't even have guessed all the things that were going to happen if I threw shit on a board. I mean, it was, you know, that type of faith, that type of, uh, true drive from your heart is, I think, the driver of the universe, which is something that I think that's what's missing a little bit in uh, in these younger kids that are getting brainwashed by media and TV. Yeah, yeah, that they think things are going to be handed to them, and when I go teach a class or or speak to someone, I'm like, the only person you need to rely on and empower is yourself. Yep, you're not going to become a great chef by copying somebody on Instagram. Sorry, bro. <laughs> <laughs> and you're not going to become a great chef just by watching videos. Like you have to go mm. out, touch, feel, smell, fuck up many, many, many times. I use that theory in many levels of life. Chris. <laughs> As you should. Thank you. As you should. Um, <laughs> what is, what's like, you know, so I'm, I'm a big believer in plant medicine and I use it often for spiritual growth. And those that listen really know, you know, a, a few stories about like my ayahuasca experiences, my DMT experiences, my um, uh, cannabis experiences. But what sort of experiences with Eastern medicine did you have? Was there a point in time where you were like sick, like flu symptoms or had a cough or anything that you took and you know like what's what's the eastern medicine world about because this is where a lot of our plant medicine knowledge has originally come from is china well let me tell you like especially the past three years since i've like sort of been doing my own business is i've had had quite a lot of trouble sleeping yeah because i like to drive myself completely insane of course so um I mean, I wasn't ever an avid smoker, but then I started making some edibles. 
Mm-hmm. And the first week, I never slept any better. Wow. I mean, I was waking up like every two hours and it's just, it's just a nightmare forever. So the past three years, I think, I mean, I almost eat a, a part of a cookie almost every day or a part of something and I sleep so good. And when I wake up, I'm so much more energetic. I'm so much more, there's much more clarity. And of course it's helped through a spiritual journey and it's just, I feel so much healthier. Like it's just, it's, it's pretty insane what your body will do to you and your brain if you really don't have a good night's sleep and you're not healthy. So for right. me, I saw that as a vital link in a chain that's going to help me pretty much train myself like the survival of the fittest, especially like during this time. Like it's so important to rest and build your immune system. Right. So I found plant medicine to be a huge, I mean, like my first book, I could not sleep. Like this was a massive investment. And my friend's like, look, just let's, let's try making something. We made chocolate chip cookies together. And I'm like, look, man, I slept like really, really well. And I, and I ate a little, I didn't even eat a lot because I wasn't looking to like start tripping balls or anything like that. Right. Which is and the opposite like, of healing. Which is, which is the, the abuse that a lot of people do. But Absolutely. I'm like, this is incredible. And, and then um, one of my friends actually got burnt seriously bad. So we went online and we got CBD and was applying it every day. And the, the burn healed rather quick. And I was like, what the hell is going on? So I think that's what sold me. Um, and, and now I'm like, okay, whenever this becomes like federally legal, like I would love to open a shop with plant medicine. That would be like my dream. Um, Absolutely. I just, would it be like what people, there's such a, but you know, the media makes it, so disturbing and the misconception and, and how to actually apply it and use it in your life. It's, it's, it's all about education. Absolutely. I mean, this is the first thing that I figured out by diving into this and creating this niche of cannabis infused fine dining. Um, it was bombarded with people calling it a trend, calling it a gimmick, calling it, you know, me a fucking crazy person. I mean, it just, the list goes on and on. I remember people, I remember reading some of the comments when our first video went like 10 million views. And, uh, some of the comments were like, Oh great. What's next. He's going to use anthrax <laughs> in the food. And I'm like, oh, yeah, are good. you fucking kidding me? Like, this is how far removed we are from the plants that we have been involved with for tens of thousands of years. Literally the first written expression of cannabis was written in the traditional Chinese medicine book, uh, in 2737 BC by, um, you know, the yellow emperor at that point, Huang Di. And it's like incredible what they've uncovered since then. And, uh, I, I can't believe that people forget that we literally co-evolved with plants and that, these plants have a direct link into our body in so many different ways that for people to sit there and think that the only way to heal yourself is with a pill that was created in the past 20, 30, 40, 50 years is just asinine. It means that they have no real take on the culture that has been around for tens of thousands of years. Well, people are taking pills. Like we listen to everything that we heard. We'd all be taking hydroxychloroquine until all like 
have like a third leg. I mean, I already have a third leg, but I need a different kind. (laughs) Wow. Are you saying, um, are you saying that you don't believe hydroxychloroquine can, uh, used with zinc can, uh, has been shown to help people? Are you going against all the MDs? Any word I can't spell, uh, I'm not taking. (laughs) So that's my rule. Spell, (laughs) uh, spell hydrocolloid. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Cause we're using a agar, lot of those. A-G-A-R. Yeah. Agar. Right. <laughs> that I could spell. <laughs> but it's amazing because like, seriously, like even last night I was asleep by 1030. I woke up this morning at 630. I already went for a run. Yeah. Like a few years ago, I would be up like every two hours and I'd be a cranky bitch when I woke up. It's like inhale 20 cups of coffee and then I'm ready to go. Right. Probably deteriorating my health. Oh, totally. I mean, you know, and especially this time that I'm doing a second cookbook, it's really helped me. Like, cause it's, it's so stressful. And I know I'm, I put so much stress on myself that I'm like, at the end of the day, I'm like, okay, I need to chill out and relax and calm down and not have this anxiety driven level that I'm just going to go berserk. Yeah. And I found that, CBD and THC just relax me. And I'm not like going berserk. It's just, you relax. Right. And right. I mean, that's what it a, is. A sense of calmness, a sense of self and a sense of like, I don't need to take a Xanax. I don't need to take a Valium, which I mean, these chemical drugs are like, it's, you, it's forget it. It's, it's probably the worst thing to take. But I mean, of course, when you're super sick, you have to take what you have to take. But I mean, right. In terms I'm of definitely deterioration. A yeah. Oh, forget it. It's, we don't even like, that's the part this is, we don't even know what still the effects of most of these drugs are on us, even if after 50 years. Right. I mean, it's, and we probably well, never will. But I mean, you know, if you look at the rising uh, percentages of mental illness and of uh, body illnesses, physical illnesses, uh, autoimmune illnesses, I mean, you got to think that some of this stuff is playing a role in that too. And the more the chart. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, we may not know the direct, you know, actual clinical trial study of a hundred years effects of Valium and all these corrosive uh, substances that are being prescribed, but you can kind of see that things are not going in a good direction. No. Like when I asked my dad, I'm like, how was it like when you were a kid? I went, well, I mean, I'm not a kid anymore, but just mentally I'm like, He's like, there was none of this. It was like smallpox or something. I'm like, but what about all this crap that's going on now? He's like, no, 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 no. And he's like, now, even when there's something that comes out that's, a, let's say, a vaccine, like, who the hell knows? Like, right. the media goes back and forth flip-flopping so much that it's just hard to even trust. Right. So I think you're training your life and for the, the survival of the fittest, no matter what. And, of course, natural you know, things that grow from this planet that have been around forever, I feel much more comfortable with than right. taking some, something that like, oh, if you, if you <laughs> I love those commercials. If you have a reaction to diarrhea, heart attack, stroke, balding, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, okay, so if, if I, you know, if I breathe, then something's wrong. Yeah. I love those. So, I mean, d- in, when you were in China and when you were in greater parts of Asia, what, did you guys like, what did you use at times to, 
you know, heal yourself? Like, what were you using there? Okay, China was tough because, I mean, it was even hard to, like, for me to, if I was alone, to even, like, order a glass of water. Right. <laughs> so, um, so you weren't really exposed to much of the Chinese medicine. I actually, the first time I got sick, I had food poisoning. My sous chef took me to a local hospital. And oh. when I saw a Bunsen burner and a metal tongue depressor, oh, God. I'm like, yeah, it's time to go. Yeah. He's like, no, 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 you have to get the pills. So I'm like, okay, let's get the pills. They hand me like 300 different pills. And I'm like, all right, dude, we need to go to like a Western medicine place because <laughs> I feel like I'm giving birth. So, um, like, I just find like, and I have bad sinuses because my nose is bigger than Pinocchio. So you were completely, completely against using the uh, Eastern medicine, what they were prescribing, just out of lack Actually, of trust. I was, I was taking both. Oh. Because I'm like, okay. One of them's like, got to be If I right. double up, if I double up, then I'll get better twice, twice better, right. you know. But mostly Chinese medicine is like a lot of herbs. Right. Um, and and what I'm a big believer in also, what I've also seen that's huge in Chinese culture is if you notice here in America, and most Western countries, that's mostly in America, people are always drinking cold water. Yeah. Right? They never do and, they never do that in, in China or most of Asia. Everybody's drinking warm water. So think of a stick of butter. What happens when it's cold? It's solidified. Right. And when um, warm butter is melted. So I'm like, wow, this is why maybe a reason why everyone's skinny here and we're in America is fat. Yeah. But, um, I mean, I took a lot of Chinese medicine until I was, until I just couldn't hack it. Because sometimes it didn't work. Like when I had like sinus infections because of the pollution levels in China was, was horrible. Oh God. Yeah. But, um, I'm really against taking any chemical medicines because like our lifespans are already altered already. And I don't want to take anything else that's going to increase like the chances of having heart disease or anything. Right. You know, and yes. And it's just like, and just having a healthy lifestyle balance because occasionally I like to have a cocktail at 400. Right. <laughs> In a night. I mean, but that's, so, a, that's the beauty. That's the real truth is, you know, food is medicine. What you're putting into your body is either going to help you or hurt you. Like what I really try to do is eat like two solid, healthy meals. And right. then one's going to like get away from me a little bit. Right. Like where I consume but you know like 7,000 tacos. Right. You only have, uh, you know, generally speaking, 75, 80 years on the planet. Yes. You're really going to, you know, want to devoid yourself of pleasure for many of those years? No. Everything in balance, you know? I, I, totally. I, I think that part of being truly happy and part of, you know, eating that way is, you know, having what you want too. But in, again, in moderation, which is something that I could do better at. But uh, it's, you know, there's, that's part of a healthy lifestyle. Like you have to also be mentally healthy as well. You can't just be physically healthy and expect well, I think that. that's becoming, I think that's becoming more of an issue, yeah. especially during this time where people are locked up in their house or people aren't working. The, the mental health is going to supersede physical health because people are just going to lose it. Yeah. I mean, I'm already and, seeing it. And depression is going to run ramp, like run ran around the world for sure. I mean, it's incredible the amount that the suicide rates have gone up in uh, the past few months. We've already and hit our quota or our average for, wow, quota, our average for how, how many suicides are committed a year. 
no, it's crazy. So it's really up to us, I think, to really like take care of ourselves. And when people need help, they, 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 you know, not everyone has the ability to ask for it. So you have to check on your friends and family. Yeah. Do you feel like, um, it at all, uh, it at all falls on the creator of the food? Well, I think in America, well, I mean, yeah, because you know what, like, look at all these processing plants. Right. Like, who knows? Like, we don't, like, we we have the FDA, but I still, we don't really know. Oh, come on, dude. Pay I mean, off the FDA. You know, it's just, <laughs> this, we, we don't know, really know what you're putting in your body. It's yeah. sort of crazy. So you have yeah. to be, I think you have to be really careful. Yeah, I mean, being uh, with Ali, uh, who studies this and has her master's in um, nutrition is like a big eye opener because uh, every label is read now and we go into detail on what it actually means, what this word means. And then we look up stuff and then it's like, holy shit, why are they putting this in food? Like, why are they what? putting ultra text number 7.5 AB? Right, <laughs> right. And then caramel color after that. And all well, these other things that have been proven to cause toxicity in the body. But a lot of people don't get that. And they just want to suck it down. Right. Just supersize it. Right. One of the <laughs> things. Not, like, Go ahead. Here's an example, man. Listen, like you're going to totally know what I'm saying. Like, remember, like turmeric 10 years ago? Yeah. Maybe it was only Middle Eastern cooking. Totally. And now it's like turmeric is, it's gone like viral. Right. I'm like, this isn't everything. Literally everything, including my recipes. There you go. So I think it's, that's the evolution of, of, of food. Right. It's incredible. We saw it happen with acai. We saw, we saw acai pop up everywhere. Same thing with, with, you know, all the roots, ginger, turmeric. Dude, when I first moved to China, people were drinking honey, lemon, ginger tea when anybody had a sore throat. Yeah. And there's no, like, it's just like fresh lemon, honey, and a shitload of ginger. Right. This is like 2005. And I'm like, wow, I feel much better in like two, three days. Right. So then then forever I've been doing that. And then now it's like, ginger is a superfood. Right. I'm like, this is crazy. <laughs> I mean, anything can be a superfood. <laughs> yeah, There's so know, many nutrient dense foods that it's like, well, <laughs> that's a superfood too. One of the things that I like to have the guests leave off with is um, to explain, you know, what some of your daily rituals are with plant medicine, like how you use it and how you utilize it. And you touched on it in terms of, you know, how you use it to regulate your circadian rhythm, how you go to bed in the evening, you wake up refreshed, ready to go. Um, and actually, you know, talking to Eben Britton in an earlier episode, um, we talked about the importance of regulating your system and regulating your circadian rhythm. Um, so I'm curious to see what, you know, your daily plant medicine rituals are, whether it's, you know, drinking that ginger tea in the evening or in the morning, or it's, you know, taking the edible at night. What are some things that you do to help stay? uh, And it can be physical activity as well. But what are are some of the things that you do to help your mind, body, soul be as uh, healthy as possible? Um, Well, ever since that 
I was working in Shanghai and was using a lot of fresh ginger. It's funny, when I first came back to Boca Raton, I bought five pounds of ginger and my parents were like, what the hell's going on here? <laughs> so um, what I like to do is always have kind of some kind of citrus ginger drink. And sometimes I put a little, even some, some garlic in it or even red onion. Right. I like to start the day off with like this citrus, like punch in the face that's healthy. Wow. So like and, ci- and then, pure citrus juice, like lemon. Well, lemon, orange, grapefruit. Okay. And then you said probably, crushed garlic? fresh. Um, minced garlic and uh, either juice ginger or just super finely chop it up. Right. Great. You know, have a, a, at least eight ounces and then I'll have a coffee. Wow. Because I don't know. I just find that I love citrus. Number one, it's probably yeah. one of my favorite things. And I, and I put some yuzu in it too. So it's just like a, like a, the first thing I want to drink is I want to feel refreshed and healthy, especially after years of drinking. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and then I have can help decalcify as well. That's amazing. I mean, I love it. And, it's instant vitamin C in the morning. Right. And, and I actually love the, the fiery taste of fresh ginger. You're, you're a strong man. I'm, you know, it's, I'm bold. <laughs> and then, um, I, I try to, I haven't been to the gym in six months because I don't want to, I think it's a human, I think it's a Petri dish, but I miss it dearly, but I either jog, swim or do those resistance bands things where right. outside when people watch me and think I'm like, I, I'm so uncoordinated, like it's ridiculous. Right. And then try to eat two out of three meals, like somewhat like pretty healthy. And then at eight o'clock, I have my little plant snack, which I'm starting to experiment more and more that now that I've like pretty got down how to make the butter, what I want. Hey, I, have, I know a guy. I know a guy that knows a guy. <laughs> and you know what? Like by like 10, 1030, I feel fantastic. And then I just pass out. Yeah. Like you're ready for bed. Like, unless there's like some like, well, actually the sports are on, but it's a little strange. Right. And then just wake up like, like when you sleep straight through the night, I can't, it's just like life altering. <laughs> I mean, I wonder like, how many people out there genuinely do not know the joy of sleeping through the night. It's because like uh, I slept over my sister's house on Saturday because I might've had a few drinks to mix in. <laughs> of course. And she's like, wow, you slept. She's like, you slept great. You didn't even like through the whole night. I'm like, let me tell you like this. I never slept like this before. Wow. And it's really incredible. Cause, she, Cause she's like, what are you doing? Cause I was making a breakfast cause I'm full of energy and, and I'm ready to go. I'm ready to rock and roll. I'm a, definitely a morning person now that I can actually sleep. Right. And it's just, it's so different. That's how like my whole routine in my day is like, like you wake up and you just, you feel good. Right. Instead of like, the whole, and when you don't sleep, it affects you mentally. And, you know, I think everybody suffers from some form of depression, but you wake up and feel good. It's just, I think it's life changing. Right. I mean, so, I, I think it is as well. Like I, there is a clear difference between me getting full sleep and me getting half my sleep. And I so important. cannot stress the importance enough of getting a full night's sleep, whatever that you know, that entails, I mean, I, I'm not an advocate for taking all these pills in order to get a full night's sleep, but the, I, I highly recommend, um, just a little bit of cannabis at the end of the evening to help calm the nerves, calm the mind, turn off, you know, any of the, uh, 
screens that you may be on that are stimulating you and just allow your mind to get into the rhythm of going to bed and sleeping through the whole night because it is magic when you wake up in the morning and you feel well rested. There's nothing like it in the world allowing you to go out and make the most of your life, make your, you know, those thoughts that you were having before bed in the morning get to put into action. And I think that's what's special about humanity and that's what's special about what we get to do in the world. And, you know, I really appreciate you sharing your perspective on um, how these things help you and really how uh, sleep is one of the biggest, most important factors for you in terms of health, which I agree with wholeheartedly. Well, especially like when you're doing a project like a cookbook and you're doing it yourself and you need your thoughts to be crystal clear and be super organized, which is funny because when people hear anything, let's say anything with THC, they, they immediately think of the opposite. Right. But I'm like, you're using it wrong. <laughs> like right. you're just using it to like forget reality. Right. I'm using it to help me grow as a person. Yeah, that's that's been a really so common a, theme between Yeah, so it's a huge difference. Yeah. Between anybody that really understands the plant and I I'm a believer that this is a conscious female plant. So it's it's a relationship that you're developing. And if you abuse the relationship over and over, there's nothing good that's going to come of that. And if you figure out ways in which to have just enough to where it's accomplishing the task and you're using it as a tool rather than as an escape, there is true beauty in what's to come from that. And I think the day will come where that actually will be expressed as the message. Of I'd, course, that like when, um, of course, like when the government decides to tax it. <laughs> so well, I mean, now, it, you know. You, you've been, you might've been out of the country for a while, but that's, you know, it's sort of happened in California. There's sort yeah, of a whole I, I, movement. I've heard of, that, I've heard of that state before. <laughs> There's sort of a isn't whole it, movement behind it. it that is. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you got going on in Florida in Boca Raton? I was literally just there and we keep missing each other. I know, dude, it's going to be scary when we meet. Jesus. Oh God. Just, just, disgusting just Can't run wait. hide your kids oh, hide your wife yeah hide the alcohol um definitely um i was in hawaii finishing my, my second cookbook so now actually it's interesting because um i usually do a lot i work with amazon do fulfillment by the man where you send in your product and then they send it out for you and due to covid there's been a little change of plan so mm. i was going to send about two thousand books because People just prefer buying from Amazon, especially worldwide. Right. And now because of what's going on, they're like, you can send 200. So the past few days I've started to realize, I'm like, I'm going to have 3,500 books coming my way. Right. Like, what the hell am I going to do? It's like eight pallets, like 12,000 pounds. Right. So I've been like going around looking for a storeroom and then just slowly doing a little social media on it. I don't want to get ahead of myself because I don't want to like, I want people to start being a little curious because what we did was carefully sculpt this to be completely different than all the cookie cutter cookbooks. <laughs> Get it? Get it. So this is home baking with Asian ingredients. And if you don't want to use the Asian ingredient, I explain exactly what to omit or what to substitute. So mm. sort of two cookbooks in one. And a lot of people, like when I, I had a book agent for this one, and of course I got denied by every single publisher because like this is too niche. I'm like, really? But what's too <laughs> niche now? Like, what are you talking That's about? That's what I'm saying. You said That's that about what my I don't first, get. You said that about my 
first cookbook, like everybody said no, and it and it and it was successful, thank goodness. So, um, and now it seems like things are, are calming down a little bit. So Florida's hit phase two. So I'm doing a pop up in a small restaurant called Fries to Caviar in about two weeks. Yeah, and then um, since I can't travel much, I might head up to New York and then maybe out west to California in the fall, and then some work in Mexico. Excellent. Wow. So, uh, like, I'm, I'm, I'm still hustling. I'm like, okay, where can I go? What can I do? Just going to be super careful, you know, always wearing a mask and just, just try to avoid groups unless it's after work. No, no, no. Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, and then, you know, then eventually, hopefully be able to go back to Asia because um, that's really my wheelhouse. I love it there. Right. It's just incredible. So, and eventually, sooner or later, figure out when I grow up, like where I'm going to settle down and just open something. Oh man, that's a scary this, thought. This, huh? Growing up, yeah. I, I mean, I'm I'm right. I wrote a book called Baking with Liquor. That's not real growing up. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's going to be interesting times. I think where I think where our business is going is is definitely uncharted territory because we all see what's going on. So there's, right. it, there's a, a tremendous amount of sad stories, but you know. It's going to always be a turnaround as well. Right. What is, uh, what are some of like your favorites out of the book? What are like, what are you really excited to share with people? There's this one, uh, cake called the milk tea monster. Oh, Cause I find yes. a lot of coffee and tea is synonymous with different cultures. Yeah. So, I mean, I make this one cake. That's a graham cracker cake, passion fruit, cream, milk tea, mousse, and marshmallow. So it's sort of like a, s'mores cake oh but yes a little different right and then um actually in this chocolate chip cookie in this in this book i wanted to do something unique but familiar so i i'm actually using ponzu sauce inside the chocolate chip cookie now before a lot of people go oh ponzu is citrus soy so in my mind citrus soy brown sugar butter and cho- and bitter chocolate just connect absolutely that umami so the flavor yeah. exactly so wow. it's things like that that and also like I took like a babka that made a matcha babka instead of cinnamon rolls we're doing Thai tea rolls and like I said if you don't want to do that then I'll guide you through the original recipe but I think it's time for people to like you can everybody's going to be home the next six months or even a year it's time to just open up and try new ingredients everything can be bought on Amazon and you just then you create your own new originals absolutely I mean I don't I really do not understand the sentiment that it's too niche. Like what the fuck? Everything, everything that started ever was niche. That is like how things progress. That is what, what life is about. How could anything be too niche? I'd be arguing with the, the book agent. I'm like, look, look at the matcha bar opened in this one. It opened in New York. I'm like, this is becoming a trend, not just the niche, but you know, it was easier to self-publishing the second time than the first time, but this time I really was involved with like InDesign and, and started like learning how to use a program so I can be of use of others. Right. And you know, it's intense, man. It is. It <laughs> because is. like when the printer messages you and says, uh, you're a 0.25 millimeter off on each slide, you freak out. Oh God. <laughs> I'm like, okay. So <laughs> it's, it's been, it's been an adventure. Scrap the whole thing. Forget here. it. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm very excited. It's going to be in my hand, I think, in a week. Wow. I cannot <laughs> wait for this to come out. Um, where <laughs> can where can they find it? How can they support? 
You can pre-order it on my website, www.jasonlicker.com. That's you can liquor right now. There. That's liquor like uh, liquor, like L I C. That's right, L I C K E R. Wine is fine, but liquor is quicker. Remember that, folks. <laughs> wow. Or <laughs> you can buy it on Amazon soon as it's. I think it's being shipped tomorrow to Amazon. So it should be after they um, buzz it in. It should be on Amazon within two weeks. So it's gonna be on Amazon and my website. You just can't roll up to Barnes and Noble. You know, we can't go to Barnes and Noble anymore. I think. Right. So those are the two places it'll be sold. Um, it's as of now a limited print run. So I, I, I printed thirty seven fifty. Then we'll see how it goes. And it's there's definitely some fun elements of my personality in it. Maybe a meme or two. <laughs> and you know, um, I love so nobody memes. sue me. Yeah, I love funny. I love specifically your weird <laughs> creepy memes. Dude, dude, I got some. I'm like whole, I'm restraining myself. There's like 10 that are just outrageous. <laughs> and I'm like, don't. And, and the designer is like, don't post it. I'm oh, like, God. okay, okay, okay. Fine, He's fine. like, you'll do once a, one a week. He's like, and I'm going to tell you when to do it. I'm like, dude, let's do it. He's like, no, 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 no. He's like, just wait. <laughs> That's so I'm stuff. like, am I going to Then the whole thing about like memes and lawsuits. I'm like, he's like, it's new art. Don't worry. I'm like, okay. I'm going to be a student. Anyway. But um, it's, 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 it's exciting. As you know, you did an ebook. Yeah. It's like. It's watching your thought. It's amazing to watch a thought become into something like tangible. Right. And it's amazing to watch people's feedback and say like, oh my God, I made this. It was so delicious. This is, this helped me create this. And like, just the ideas start flowing. It's incredible. It really is. And that's what I love about this book is that everything in it is just the base. Yeah. That's really cool. And you can really, it doesn't matter if it's Asian ingredients, to be honest. It could be Italian ingredients. It could be middle. It's it, right. with whatever genre you, you want. Right. It's just, you utilize that base and just make substitutions. I mean, it's going to be, <laughs> as you saw by the cover, it's going it's to be pretty unique. Right. I, I love it. I'm, I'm really excited for this, man. And I am very grateful that you took time out of your schedule to have this chat with me. And, uh, I'm, I really Anytime, can't bro. wait to, uh, you know, release this and have, have uh, Liquorland be, you know, everywhere. I can't wait to honestly get it and, and start making these. I just keep thinking about the Thai tea rolls and, uh, and that milk or in that milk cake. Yeah. <laughs> that milk cake, there she goes again. <laughs> just fucking, uh. um, but you know, I think what the, and the basic underlying thing is like, is baking with your friends and family. It's having fun. Yeah. Because all this crap on the news is beyond depressing. So shut off the TV and get in the kitchen. That's right. Absolutely. I could not echo that anymore. For real. Thank you so much for coming on, Jason. I really appreciate you, man. Thanks for having me. All right, buddy. I will talk to you very soon. soon. Cheers. Thanks for hanging up on me three times on the podcast. (laughs) We'll we'll see. (laughs) We'll check the records on that. Okay. All right, peace. (laughs) Okay, be good, peace. Hey guys, it's Chris. That wraps up another episode of Of Earth. On behalf of The Herbal Chef and myself, thank you for joining us. Don't forget to follow us on IG, Twitter, Facebook, all the socials at the underscore herbal underscore chef. And check out the Of Earth story highlights for more info on who we've had on. Please like, subscribe, and rate this so we can continue making this content for you. And by we, I 
have to mention our producer of the show, Tanache Works. Thank you and signing off. Thank you.